Happy Friday. Welcome to the three things I learned. SaaS Sports Tech and Live Events. Today we have a special edition. We're going to talk about the 11 interview questions. Now why? Uh, we get the opportunity to speak quite a bit to entrepreneur groups, incubators, churches, schools, and the like. And we talk about a lot of uh, topics when we do that. We talk about raising capital, partners, pricing, selling, building a business, all those different things. Every time talent comes up, especially now, and how we view talent, how we build teams, and somebody's done their homework and talks about a bunch of awards that we've won, which is all great, and we've addressed that in the past. Um, but we talk about our process, and in that process, we ask the same 11 questions in the final interview of every single person that joins a team manager team, and everybody always stops whatever we're doing and triple clicks on this, and we end up spending a lot of time on it. I always promise the group that I will send them the 11 questions along with an explanation, and then I never do it because I've never done it. Uh, so that's what this is. We're going to walk through the 11 questions, how we do them, why we use them, and how it helps us build the team, and we're also sharing it down below in a very long blog post that explains the whole thing to you. So first the why, and then we'll talk about the 11 questions. When I was in my 20s, in my young 20s, I worked at AEG in the Staples Center, and I loved my job. If you asked me at the time what I thought about my job, I would say it was an 8 out of 10. I was paid very well, my, my boss was great, I got to work in sports, I got to do what I loved for a living, and everything was wonderful. And the hockey strike came, the hockey lockout, and it caused us all to go do something else. And I took a job at a small startup called Adrenaline. And then, you know, we rebranded that, that company to StubHub, and then the world was in color. And I didn't understand why. Now, usually when I tell that story, people think, well, of course it was. StubHub was a rocket ship. Everybody was happy there, but it, that wasn't the case. On our team, we cycled through a lot of people just to get the right number of salespeople. And it wasn't for everybody, but it was for me. And it took me a while to understand why. It took me a while to understand that what was made it such a success for me and for the people who were successful at StubHub was the alignment. StubHub was enabling and empowering me to do the things that I wanted to do, that I wanted to become. I wanted to run a business. I wanted to have a lot of autonomy. I liked meritocracies. And they were enabling me to do it on their dime while I was helping them by hitting sales numbers and the like. In 2012, where we are now, Ticket Manager was named Spotlight, and it was a really crappy place to work. It was a crappy place to work because we didn't understand alignment. We were focused on bringing in people who had done this before, who were capable of doing the job and focusing on those things. But we didn't really understand the magic that made StubHub what it was for us. And that's where we started to get to work. We read every leadership book there was, hundreds of them. We read every article there was on interview questions. We reached out to mentors. We reached out to people who had built teams. We tried to understand what it was that made a team great, especially when you build them. And we really started to borrow ideas from everybody else that were successful. And in that time, we came up with the 11 questions. Now, a few have been added recently that have brought it to 11. I don't think they're perfect. I don't think they're the best. I don't think they're the best for you. I don't think they work at every company. And I'm not really gonna defend any of the 11 of them. What I am gonna say is that they're the best for us right now, as we iterate. They've helped us find a lot of success, and when we share them with people, there's a lot of back and forth, and people find them very interesting. Hence the point of why we're sharing them now. So, let's get started. The first two questions are the disqualifiers. They're quick questions, they're easy, and our goal is to disqualify people early in the process. The first question seems really simple. What do we do here? Now you would think anybody could answer that, but you'd be surprised when you ask, what do, you do, what do we do here, to a number of people who are applicants who can't answer the question. That's the only wrong answer. Now the important thing about the 11 questions is that there are no wrong answers, except for the first two. 
you're gonna find out how they process things. Did they do a ton of homework? Are they gonna regurgitate what they saw on the website? That's a good answer. It means they're, they're focused on what they're doing. Have they been thinking about it? Do they have ideas that maybe you don't have? It's really a great way to open the conversation. It's a treasure trove to see how people are thinking about this. Because what we're really looking for are people who are looking for careers, not jobs. The second question is also a disqualifier question. And that's, who are our competitors? It is surprising that people come in and can't name the competition to the company that they're applying to. And that's very common because for a lot of people, work is a job. Now we're looking for people who don't see work as a job. As we've shared in the past, there's only three ways out of a job. You're either going to be terminated, you're gonna quit, or there's gonna be tragedy. Now we would prefer that everybody quits and does so successfully. That's how we're going to gauge ourselves against how we did for you as part of our team. So the first two disqualifier questions are very simple. What do we do here and who are our competitors? If they can't answer those two, it's probably time to move on. Okay, now we're on to the big time questions and the most important one comes next. That's question number three that we ask. It seems banal and simple, but it is the most important question and it's really helped us understand our team, what motivates them, and give us some success in working with them going forward. It's very simple. In your professional life, in as much detail as possible, in 10 years, what are you gonna be doing? Who are you gonna be doing it with? And why? Now that seems incredibly simple to answer, and you're really gonna see a lot. It's important that we have this disclaimer before we go on with this question. During the interview process, I mean, before we begin this interview, we always talk to them about telling the truth. There are no wrong answers. The only wrong answers are the ones that are trying to gain the system because that's too easy to see. It's disingenuous, it's inauthentic. We wanna know who you really are because then we can work together to try to be successful. We wanna understand why the answers are what they are. Now, there's no right answer, so you're gonna get a bevy of different answers. Some people are gonna to wanna to be the CRO. Some are gonna to wanna to be the VP of marketing. Some are gonna be the senior engineer. Some are gonna to wanna to be the CTO. Some are gonna to wanna to run their own business. Some are gonna to wanna to be retired. What's really important is asking why. Why do they want to be the CRO? Why do they want to be the Senior Vice President of Marketing? Why do they want to be the CTO? Is it because they want the money? That's fine. Is it because they want the prestige? Is it because they find it challenging? Maybe they just want to work at a place that's honest because the last place they worked wasn't. And we see this quite a bit. Some people want to be rich. Some people want to be important, however they define it. Some people want to show the haters that they made it. Some people just want to have fun at their job and some just wanna dedicate the bulk of their week to something that they actually find interesting. When you ask why, we make sure to make sure that they feel comfortable. If they don't wanna answer, that's okay. That's not the point of this. Just be prepared to be uncomfortable sometimes. The ones who are authentic have no problem with this question. Some people, you know, they've been too trained on interviews and they might get a little uncomfortable at first and that's okay. It's our job to work together with them to make sure that we can get the right answer. This isn't heart surgery. We don't need to have answers immediately. We just want to try to find out what the right answer is. Uh, there is one note on this. Every now and then we're asked if we change this question for older candidates, and the answer is actually no, because um, they always say maybe they're not going to be working in 10 years. But joining our team for a short period of time can be wildly successful. Maybe they just want to come work for 18 months or three years, and then they're done. They want to they quit. You know, we want them to quit successfully. So sometimes the clearest goals, you know, they're the easiest to work with. That's number three, and it's, it's the heart, and it's really the foundation of the rest of the interview. Number four is a follow-up question to number three. Now clearly in number three, we're trying to understand the why. 
what motivates people? Because it's different for everybody and everybody is different. So we need to address and adopt what we're doing to make sure that they're being motivated appropriately. Like I said, you can give all the bonuses in the world you want to somebody who just wants to work at a place that's honest and has integrity or somebody who just wants the prestige of the title and it's not gonna work. You need to know what they want because like me at StubHub, if you're giving them something that they're chasing, you're gonna be successful too. The follow-up question is very simple. What interests you? What do you read? What do you watch? What align, what do you do in your free time that aligns with the goals that we talked about in number three? And, and it's really interesting. I'm gonna give two examples to this question that are powerful that I've talked to some really successful people we've had join us here. The first was we had somebody interviewing for a tech sales job and they told me, uh, I love sales and I love tech and I wanna work in sales and tech and they gave a lot of great reasons for it. Then I asked, what do you do, what do you read, what do you watch, et cetera? And the answer was Jack Kerouac. And I said, what does that have to do with tech and sales? And they didn't really have much of an answer, but it was a fantastic answer. You know why? We were looking to hire somebody who was an enterprise sales rep that was remote, that was going into new businesses to understand new businesses and their cultures and to work with them towards a goal. That aligns with what Jack Kerouac often writes about. The second one was even funnier. And you know that person that we talked about has been here for a number of years. Second one, we interviewed somebody for a customer service job and they told us that they love people. And their answer to number three was, here's why I love people, here's why I wanna work in customer service for all these reasons. We asked them, what do you read, what do you watch, what do you do? And they gave a lot of great answers, but the one at the end made us laugh. They said they watch reality TV and a lot of it, kind of sheepishly, a little bit embarrassed. It aligns perfectly. You say that you love people and then when you have free time, you spend your time understanding people. We've had both of these individuals for north of five years and they've been wonderful teammates to us. You're going to find out with number four if what they say they are in number three is actually who they are. And sometimes it works out best for both of you. You can find people who are interviewing for a sales job when they really want to be in marketing and you can get them into marketing and that can be successful for both of you. There's a number of those examples that we have. That's number four. The next few questions are our fit questions. And they're interesting because it helps us understand what's going to happen when things come up that they don't agree with and that we don't agree with. So the first question is very simple. When we do our reference checks on you with people that you don't give us, because we know the people that you give us are gonna tell us that you're great. What are they going to tell us? Now, there's an important qualifier here which we share with everybody that's a prospective teammate. We're not looking for people who don't like you. I don't care. If you're looking for people who don't like me, I'll spoil it. There's a lot of them. There's a line from American Gangster that that line goes around the block, and it does. When you build a business, that happens. When you're in the working world, there's going to be people who don't like you. We're not worried about that. What we're worried about is the understanding of self-awareness. How do they respond to those little differences that all teammates have? Because not everybody likes each other, but that doesn't mean they can't be successful together. And We want to understand what those things are so we can work together as they move forward. The sixth question ties a little bit to that. We ask him, tell me about a bad boss or coach you had. What made them bad and what would that coach say about you? Now, this is the most recent addition to the interview, right? How are they gonna frame things that they don't agree with, they don't like? Now, sometimes you're gonna run into some pretty egregious things and that kind of blows the question out of the water, doesn't make it very meaningful. If you had a boss that was incredibly abusive, somebody who broke the law, those sorts of things. What we're trying to find is, you know, how do you react to 
situations that you don't agree with because we're not perfect. We're going to be the boss that you disagree with sometimes and you might not feel like you're treated fairly sometimes no matter how well or hard we try. And we want to understand that is there, is there learning that comes from that? Because look, when you bring together a group of diverse people from an infinite combination of backgrounds, you're going to have different goals, aspirations, and work ethics. And we don't ask anybody that works here to be friends. But we do ask them to respect one another. We're trying to understand with these questions, how are they going to respond in those situations? So those are our fit questions. Number seven is an important question that doesn't have a wrong answer. Tell me about the hardest thing you've ever done professionally. You know, this is asked by a lot of people. If you look at, you know, interview questions across the board, I know Google asked this for a long time, it's all over the place. Now, what we want to know is, is what, what is hard? How do you define hard? How do you welcome the challenge? You know, how do you manage your time and energy during this? Believe it or not, a number of candidates will actually disqualify themselves with their answers because they try to game the system on this, right? They don't tell the truth. They don't tell the honest truth. And by, the by this point in the interview, we're kind of hoping to have that kind of rapport. What's hard to some people isn't hard to others. And what we're trying to understand is what do you see as hard? What do you see as something that maybe comes naturally to you? Because then we can plug you in with the team. We're not looking for people who are great at all 10 aspects of their job. I don't think those people exist. But if you're great at seven and your teammates great at four and they actually interchange, now we can be successful together. So this is a question that we ask that follows up on the fit questions to help us understand in the team where we can plug them in and where we can be successful in understanding what they think is hard when we're asking them to do things. So that's number seven. Our next question is lifted from somebody else and it's incredibly important to what we're doing. It shows us where people are in their careers and also where there's really big opportunity for help us to unlock potential that we can capitalize on. Who are your mentors? outside of the echo chamber that you grew up in. So no family members, no coaches, no former bosses, no former teachers. Why do we ask it that way? You know, in our experience, people who are really passionate about something are very curious about it. They go out and they find others who have done this outside of their echo chamber. And if they do this, man, are they successful. Now, people think when they can't answer this that it's some kind of got you, like they flunked the interview. That's absolutely not the case. In fact, when you have somebody who has unlimited potential and you're really excited about them and they don't have mentors outside of their echo chamber, can you imagine just how fantastic they're going to be when we work together and every week we help by introducing people in other industries and other places? That's why we ask that question. That's number eight. Who are your mentors? Number nine was lifted from an article and it has been so fascinating to ask because people answer it in ways that you don't expect. What are you great at but you never want to do it again? We've had people applying for sales job and we ask this question and they say cold calling. Now we're not doing this as a got you. We're not trying to get people to, to what we're trying to do is, you know, we've quoted Matthew McConaughey quite regularly here when he says, sometimes the best way to understand who you are is to try is to start by understanding who you aren't. And if they're disqualifying, the part of the job that they're going to be doing the most or they, they don't like it and they think it's something that they're great at but they never want to do it again, that's not going to be alignment. You know, on a cold, dreary December day at 6 in the morning when you're on your way in to work at Ticket Manager and, and you don't care about your task that day, in fact, you're great at it but you don't ever want to do it again, that's not going to get the prospect to where they want to be and maybe we can find a better place for them. So interestingly enough, that's one of the more recent additions and the answers we've gotten have been fascinating. Number nine, what are you great at but you never want to do it again? 
Number 10 is a question we only ask to the revenue team. And we ask it because of what we are specifically as a business selling into the enterprise, which usually includes a number of buyers on the other side of the table. It's a trap and we set them up as such. Generally, we'll ask a question that we say is the most important thing to us. Insert whatever that question is. You know, the most important thing to us in this job is that you can build a sales team. Can you tell us how you've done that in the past, et cetera? And we let them answer for a couple of sentences and then we generally cut them off with something banal and mundane. Like, oh, I noticed you have a Washington Nationals hat in the background, are you a fan? Or, hey, I really like your notebook. Now we ask this for a very specific reason. Generally, there's three responses. The first response is the most common and it's because of interviews being a little tense sometimes. Um, they generally go along with us. Oh yeah, I'm a Nats fan, they're great. And then we ask a follow-up question that has nothing to do with the important question and the interview continues. Uh, the second way is they'll interrupt. You know, we'll say, hey, you're a Nats fan, I noticed that. Like, can you tell me about it? I'll say, yeah, 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 I'll get to that later. I, I'm answering this question. And the third way is they'll generally go with us, right? Oh yeah, I'm a Nats fan, really enjoying blah, 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 blah. We'll ask the follow-up question and they'll say, hey, I'm absolutely going to answer that question. With all due respect, though, you mentioned that the last one was really important to you. And I'd like to answer that if possible. We answer this, we ask this question of senior salespeople on the revenue side because we want to understand how they're going to handle that in the room because it happens a lot. You'll be in a room with different power specifics at every different business where somebody has a question that's really important to them and they may get interrupted by somebody else. And you can't ignore that person and answer here. You also can't just move along from that person and make them feel small because you're answering their question. You have to be able to navigate your way through the conversation to move the flames where you want them to be. This is a way of us understanding where they are as a salesperson. It's a very easy fix. It's not a disqualifying question at all. We're just trying to understand how much experience they have in that sort of situation. So that's number 10. Finally, the simplest question, why you? Now, this is not meant to put anybody on the spot and we actually offer a disclaimer this question when we ask it. We have our 11 questions. We have our way of doing things. Sometimes interviews can be tense. They can be hard. Your ability to interview is not correlated with your ability to be a successful teammate. And too many businesses think it is. We don't. What we want to do is offer an opportunity for you to put forward your best foot. You know, often there are things that you want to say. There's things that you want to, you know, inform us of that you're great at or that you're passionate about. This is the opportunity to do that. This is the opportunity for us to take our time in open conversation where you can ask questions however you like and you can share with us why this might be the best thing for you. Again, there's no right answers, right? The best answers I've seen come from both sides of the spectrum. So one of them was an entry-level sales rep who's been with us for nine years now who had no experience at all and was working as a barback at the local restaurant. And I really liked this person, they were great. And they leaned across and said, you know, I know my resume isn't very impressive, but just give me a chance, I want this job. And they've been such a wonderful member of our family. And I say family because they are family to me for a very long time. The other baller answer I've seen to this is one of our mentors when we were raising money said, look, you're gonna have one of two problems in filling this job. One, it's gonna be an impossible job to do, or two, you're gonna have the wrong person. I'm gonna take number two off the table. He has the background to be able to say something like that. That's the 11 questions. Now we're gonna walk through a conclusion here in a second to help you understand why we ask him, how we ask him, and then how we see the 11 questions going forward. So those are our 11 questions. They're not perfect, but they're for us. They're born out of failure. 
in 2012, as mentioned, this was an awful place to work. And it was an awful place to work because it was my fault. Because I had not gone out and learned how other people had done this. Because I had not done my homework. I had figured that I could figure this all out myself. And then I realized that there wasn't any joy in this building. That we didn't have people aligned with our goals. That we weren't looking at this as how can we successfully have you quit. Whatever that is. And we've had those stories successfully. We've had people come in and you know making $90,000 a year say, I want to make 200 grand within the next two years. We've got them there either here or somewhere else. We've had people come in and say, I want that job externally in five years, and then they got it. I wanna go start my own business, and they got it. And that all came from our failure to understand what it is that motivates people. So we went out and we read every book there was, every leadership book, every psychology book. That was a good use of our time, the psychology books, by the way. And we put together these 11 questions. They're not perfect, they may not be for you, but I can tell you that they saved our business. I hope they're helpful to you, I hope when you take time to think about them, you can iterate towards some of your own. And then when you get really great ones, I hope you'll share them with us. That's it for this week. Sorry for the long one. We'll see everybody next week on the three things.